You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Nam, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit JcastNetwork.org. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. We're in the English on page 114, in the Hebrew page Kufnun Aleph 151. We're moving into the ninth chapter of the Tomer Devorah. Uh, the, uh, the ninth chapter is going to deal with the uh, Svira of Malchut, uh, the virtue of, uh, trans- Jacob's translates to sovereignty or kingship. Uh, Malchut is um, the, uh, I guess you could say, the lowest of the Svirot. Um, it is, um, sort of the, uh, the, you know, it's like the, I don't know exactly how, how I want to put it, the, the, um, the, the final puzzle piece for the Sphero. It's the, it's the, it's the element of God that make, that enables all the other elements of God to actually come to, uh, fruition. And so it's the, it's that element of God that, that, uh, that helps, you know, uh, 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 beauty, kindness, uh, uh, power um, actually become part of the world as we know it, and so it's the it's the sphera that's closest to human beings, and the other element of it. So it's the furthest down. That's going to be important in, in what we're uh, seeing, uh, and the other element of it, which will not be as important, what we're going to see today, probably depending on how fast we go, um, but we'll, we'll probably see. Uh, um, uh, uh, not next week because I won't be here next week, but I guess the week after uh, is uh, is the element of Malchut that's the divine feminine. So of all the other Sfirot, uh, our our masculine Sfirot, specifically the one we looked at last week, Yisod, is a masculine Sfira. Uh, Malchut is the divine feminine, right? Uh, you know, to to um, so I'm not going to put it more bluntly than that. Uh, that'll work for 7:45 in the morning. Um, okay, so the ninth chapter begins in the following way. <clears throat> How can a human being himself uh, cultivate this virtue of malchut or sovereignty? The first of all, he shouldn't uh, have pride in what he owns. Right? You're, as, you know, as they said in the movie Fight Club, right? you are not your khakis. Right? You, uh, you shouldn't, uh, y- your, your glory, your celebration shouldn't be in your possessions. Or he goes even a step further, right? You should act, or you should see yourself. You should um, uh, have a, a, a sense of self as if you were a poor person standing, uh, uh, and you should stand yourself before your Creator like a like a beggar who who asks and uh, and and supplicates. In other words, not only should you not be uh, not not take pride in in the in the possessions you have, but you should consider yourself like a poor person. and you should cultivate this virtue. ashir, even if you're wealthy. You should recognize that nothing is going to stick with you. Nothing at all that you own is going to stay with you. Nothing is clinging to you. It's all going to leave you. 
And so you always need the uh, compassion of the Creator. She'en lo kol davar ella because you truly have nothing except for the bread that you eat. Right? And that is, I think is a is is a is a worthy uh, uh, thing to consider that uh, that though we might have um, you know uh, nice possessions, nice nice you know homes, nice cars, etc. etc. Right? That that those things are all. Um, uh, that are all are all fleeting. Right? We don't we, we 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 temporarily are in possession of those things. We don't actually have them because right, we're in this world for a short period of time. We have an eternal life that lives on long after us. We don't have those things for you know ninety nine percent of uh, of eternity. And for the one percent of time we happen to be in in this physical world, we have those things. Right, but they're all going to be—they're all—they're all going to leave us eventually. And the nature of stuff is that it all leaves us in general. Right, even during this world, right, the nature of most stuff is that we don't have it our whole lives. And so, uh, and so, the 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 sensibility that uh, that uh, that Cordovero is trying to cultivate here is that that all you have um, is you is is yourself and your relationship with God. Right? And that, and that, and that, all of it is dependent on uh, on, on divine compassion. Right? Uh, you should uh, you should um, uh, humble your heart and, and afflict yourself. I don't know if he means that physically. I think he means you should you should consider yourself as being lowly, right? Especially in the time of prayer. Because that's a that's a wonderful aid for prayer, which is true. I mean, prayer I think is uh, is uh, is at its core an opportunity, a daily opportunity to cultivate gratitude, right? to cultivate a sense that um, that um, that you know um, I, I, that's why most of Jewish prayer is not asking for things, and even where it does ask for things, it's not asking for stuff, right? So in in the Amida, which is really the only prayer that has requests. Right of the nineteen blessings in the Amida, really only one asks for material stuff, which is the Birkata Shanim, the the blessing of uh, of the year, which which which, in some ways, is not really even a blessing for possessions. It's a blessing for for produce, which you know, for your crops to grow, essentially, which you know can mean you know I I I I'm praying for uh, for. Well, so right, so literally, it's about life and death. But uh, but most uh, most people who look who interpret it interpret it as you know I'm I'm, I'm blessing I'm praying for sustenance right? I'm praying for uh, you know um, parnasa right um, right so you like look at the corpus of of prayer most of it has nothing to do with asking for stuff and certainly not material things right um, so I, I was listening to a sermon by uh, by one of my um, uh, teachers in Los Angeles, Rabbi Ed Feinstein, is the uh, rabbi of a large synagogue there called Valley Beth Shalom, and uh, and you know for whatever it's worth, uh, he uh, videotaped his Yom Kippur sermon this year, and uh, so I watched it the other day. It's a great sermon. Um, if you want, I can send you the link to it. It's really worth uh, taking a look at. But one of the things that he uh, pointed out um, was um, you have. Uh, this idea in the Jewish tradition that you're supposed to say a hundred blessings every day, right? Which ultimately is a is a spiritual practice of a hundred times of saying thank you every day. 
and uh, and he was telling the story of uh, teaching that to a group of like fourth graders at his synagogue, <clears throat> and one of the and one of the boys in the class, um, you know, raises his hand and says, "Who has time to do all that? Who has time to stop a hundred times in a day and say thank you?" And before he even has a chance to answer, a girl in the class, of course it was a girl because they're more mature and, and smarter, right? a girl in the class, you know, turns to the boy and says, you know, how many times during the day do you say I want something? Right? How many times do you say during the day you say I need something? Right? What if you replaced every one of those times where you say I want, I need, with thank you? Right? And, and it's a really true, I mean, it's not just true for fourth graders, it's true, I think, for all of us as well. I and mean, the, the amount of times during the day where I say I want something far outweighs the times during the day where I say I need something. Right? And that, I think, is, is what he's saying. Like, that's the perfect time to cultivate this virtue is during prayer. Right? If you focus on it in that way, that, that what you're doing at that moment is, is, is saying, you know, I don't need anything more than I have, right? um, but ultimately I don't have any, even though ultimately I don't have anything. <clears throat> so the opposite of this, Namar, so the um, like on the flip side, right? The Torah says, "Viram levavecha v'shachachta." So in the book of Deuteronomy, it says that you know, when you get into the land, you're going to have such great produce in the land; it's going to be so wonderful for you there. And then your heart is going to grow haughty, and you're going to forget about God. Right, because a, a kind of a, um, a external forgetting, a forgetting belonging to the outside ones, right? E- evil forces, um, is is found in pride in possessions. David David uh, practices virtue a lot. Right? Even, even King David, who was a by all accounts a very wealthy and powerful uh, man, right, said, "I am alone and poor." Right, so because because everybody in, in, in his household, right, in David's household, right, he says he's alone because everyone ultimately is gonna look out for themselves. And what good or, you know, even the people in our lives, right, it, ultimately, because everyone's, right, when, when, when I die, right, I can't take anybody with me. Klum yilavuhu ele ad kivro, right? No one can accompany me past my grave. Ma hemlo be'et dinav mi petach kever ve'elach, right? So, so even even my personal relationships, he said, not only my possessions, but even my relation. This is very uh, Ecclesiastes in some way, right? You know, what good is everything that you might have in the world, right? Not only your possessions, but all the friends that you have and family that you have. And ultimately, you know, ultimately, I mean, there there is truth in that, right? That that uh, that 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 Adira is not going to be able to come with me after I die and stand before God with me and defend me before before God. Right. Hopefully, through virtue of my relationship with her, I will have a worthy defense before God. Right, but uh, but but she she's not going to be able to come with me. Right, and so therefore, uh, one should uh, uh, humble himself and perfect himself according to the secret of this quality. Do we know where Cordovero is buried? I don't, but I assume Sfat. 
my next question would have been, how modest or immodest <laughs> is his gravesite? It's a good question. I'll have to look it up. I imagine it's spot, but I don't. I don't know if I've been there. Okay. So the second point he's going to make is, is a similar point. Ojnia Pershu Besefer Zohar. So there's a second uh, element of this that's uh, explained in the book of the Zohar. And it's very important. You should be a wanderer for the sake of heaven. You should uproot yourself from place to place for the sake of heaven. In other words, you should, I don't think he, he literally means you should move all the time, but he should, you should consider yourself as homeless. Right? Which is, I think, a very difficult thing to do and, and a very uncomfortable thing to do because those of us who have homes um, are often very, very proud of our homes and our home symbolizes uh, and provides um, security and comfort. And he's saying that um, that those things aren't in themselves bad, right? But um, but you shouldn't mistake them for the totality of your being, right? So you should uh, imagine, even if you have a home, you should imagine yourself as being homeless, right? Because ultimately you are homeless. Right? Ultimately you are a wanderer in the cosmos, right? Ultimately the house you own, the things you own, aren't really yours, right? which is which is by the way why. Um, why the I think one of the reasons the Torah has the idea of the of the jubilee. Right? Every fifty years, um, you have to give up your house and move back to another place. Right? And I think one of the values that that uh, practice is trying to cultivate is to say that ultimately the things that you think that you own are not really yours. Right? Same thing with letting the land lie fallow every seventh year. Right? Well, this, what is my farm? You know, who's God to tell me I can't grow crops on it? Right? But it's saying that ultimately that farm is not yours. Right? That land is not yours. It's, and, and the same thing with the blessings that we say. Right? So the reason we recite blessings over food right, is uh, because the Talmud says, before we make the blessing, it belongs to God. Only after we make the blessing can it belong to us. Right? The blessing is, an, is asking permission right, uh, uh, from God, as it were, to use God's property. Right? So the apple that I bought at the store still isn't my apple until I've said a blessing over it. Right? And through this you can become a chariot for the exiled divine presence. So, um, so he should imagine, right, I've gone into exile, but my utensils will go with me. Right? In other words, my, my, uh, my, it doesn't mean my property will go with me. He means that the, the, that the things that we have that really matter will go with, will go with you, right? Your, your values, your faith, your goodness, right? Your ability to, uh, to do good in the world, right? That you can always carry with you. Right, so it's it's like that exercise, you know. If you had a fire at home, what would you take with you, right? And uh, what would what would you take out of the burning building, right? Um, and most people would not say, you know, um, would not like grab their iPad, right? Um, maybe they would. Uh, <laughs> I probably wouldn't. I'm not crazy about my iPad. anyway. Um, but um, right, so the idea is that that what we end up taking with us 
you know, when we strip it all away, it is um, our, our, our values, right? Our faith, right? That's what we carry with us. So, so, you know, when I go into exile, right, my utensils are with me, right? Um, um, what shall be with the honor of God? What shall be with the honor of God? Um, where God goes into exile, but uh, uh, his or her utens—excuse me—but God's utensils aren't with her, right? Because God had to leave those things behind in the exile. So this is another uh, a, a slightly different idea, right? So in other words, right, you should treat yourself as an exile in the sense that you leave everything behind, right? And you should say to yourself, "Why should I get to take stuff with me when I become homeless? When God has become homeless, right, in the destruction of the temple?" And God didn't get to take anything with God. Why should I get to carry any of my stuff with me? God didn't get, get to take the menorah with God when the temple was destroyed. Right? The Romans carried it away. Right? And, and because of this, you should minimize the amount of possessions you own. Right, as it's written in the book of Jeremiah, um, uh, I have made for you uh, the uh, the vessels of uh, exile. Right, so you should. Was how does he translate Yachnia here? Um, he should be satisfied. His heart should be satisfied in this exile, um, in clinging to Torah, right? Because then God will be with him. Right? And not through being able to carry all your stuff with you. This is a great movie um, that was out a couple years ago called Up in the Air. Did you see it with George Clooney? No one saw that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he... So it's kind of a sad. He goes around firing people. He's right. He's the guy who goes around firing people. But his and 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 uh, and he's like he travels right. He travels all over the country and he loves the idea that he doesn't have to like have any roots. Uh, it's actually kind of a depressing movie. So like it, it may not be a good example of what he's saying here, but he would give motivational speeches at business conferences and, and his you know stock speech was to take a backpack right and like start emptying everything out of it right. And the idea was you know what's in your backpack. Right? Because the more you have in your backpack, the more you're weighed down, and the more the less the less you can move, the less free you are. And so that's what he's that's what he's saying here. Ultimately, don't weigh yourself down with stuff. Right? Cultivate what the important things, which are to uh, cling to Torah, and then God will be with you. Right? You should you should divorce yourself, as it were, from uh, from comfort. In the same way that Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Shimon and his, uh, and his fellows would uh, divorce themselves from their homes, would leave their homes in order to study Torah. Shu Gufo Lichbod Gavoha. 
right? So, um, so how much better is it if he wounds his feet, if he bruises his feet going from place to place without having a, a, a horse or chariot uh, to, to ride on, right? In other words, not only should you be a wanderer, not only should you put yourself into exile to divorce yourself from possessions and, and, and home, or at least to, to consider yourself that way, but you should do it on foot, right? Don't even take a, don't even take a horse with you. In other words, really cultivate a sense that ultimately you don't have nothing. That ultimately your material comforts are fleeting. And all you will end up having is the, the, the Torah you cultivate and the relationship with God that you cultivate. Alright, why don't we stop there for the day. And uh, I won't be here next week. Uh, unless Rabbi Stein wants to switch with me Wednesday and Friday, I'll have to talk with him. Uh, but otherwise, we'll pick up again the following week. Have a great week.